The Washington Commanders aren't getting a lot of top 10 rankings these days, but they did when it came to pro football focuses, salary cap health projections. We're going to dive into that and what it might mean moving forward right now on Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into this Thursday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. And don't forget that you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can continue the conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders with me, David Harrison, because I am your host at dharrison eighty two on Twitter, credential member of the media and Washington Commanders beat reporter for Commander Country Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the Washington Commanders. Here with you every Monday through Friday, along with our everydayers. And as always, I appreciate your continued support for the show. On today's episode, we're going to talk about four young players who could be catalysts for certain veterans departing the franchise in the relatively near future. And we'll talk about how Ron Rivera has been one of the better drafters over the past few seasons and we're going to start off today's episode though talking about salary cap health because that's really where the whole thing kind of gets kick-started and this is all courtesy of pro football focus who did a three-year analysis for all 32 nfl teams and their current salary cap situations and how those situations project to again the next three seasons right so overall washington ranked number ninth in the national football league so pretty good a top 10 ranking in salary cap health, right? And PFF's Brad Spielberger, who did the article, said of Washington, quote, Washington's string of four straight first-round defensive linemen has gone about as well as the franchise could have hoped for. Deron Payne signed a monster extension. Jonathan Allen put pen to paper on a new deal. Montez Sweat is entering his fifth-year option season, which turns all the attention to Chase Young, end quote. Now, obviously, we know Chase Young's fifth-year option was declined. So out of the four, I guess you would say that Chase Young's career has kind of gone the least like the Washington Commanders uh, expected it to. Of the five, uh, two of the or two of the four, two of the four have new contracts that they're playing on. Montez Wet again playing on his fifth year option. Now, how did the uh, how did PFF get to the number nine overall ranking for Washington when it came to salary cap health? Well, they used five different categories and individual metrics that they measured, and then combined those all. So one of the metrics, top fifty one veteran valuation, that ranked number seventeenth overall. Active draft capital, the commanders came in 10th overall, 23 to 2025 salary cap space. They came in eighth overall, total prorated money, seventh overall, 2024 free agent valuation, 31st overall. So that's the only place where the Washington commanders came in uh, a little bit negative. Now, understand that this isn't this number nine ranking, right? Isn't a ranking. You're not adding 17, 10, 8, 7, 31, dividing it by five to get their ranking instead. What they did is they took these numbers and they created a mean, right? So an average in the National Football League of top 51 veteran valuation. And then they counted how many spaces you were from the mean. So for 17, if the mean is 16, the commander's got a score of plus one, not a score of 17. And then average draft capital or active draft capital, rather, they're, they're number 10. So you're minus six. So between the plus one and the minus six, you're minus five. Divide that by two. Your minus two and a half, and then you you know you go through that for all five. You stack and rank everybody, and the Washington Commanders came out ninth overall. Now, where they rank the highest in this category, number seven overall, like we just mentioned, prorated money. What is prorated money? Well, 
basically we're talking about bonus money, right? Bonus money is prorated over a certain amount of years. Usually those are signing bonuses. So when you hear a player sign a, a contract with a $25 million bonus, if that $25 million signing bonus is on a five-year contract, then that bonus is, at least for cap purposes, is spread out through those five years. So it's $5 million a year in signing bonuses for those five years. Now the player is going to get all $25 million up front. Like once he gets paid it, and sometimes that can take 12, 15 months, but once that contract bonus is paid, it's paid at $25 million. So if I sign a contract in 2023 with a $25 million signing bonus for five years, that contract may run five years, but in 2023, I'm going to get my $25 million. For bookkeeping purposes, the NFL teams get to spread that out. So that's your prorated money. Usually that money's not being, it can't be reduced, right? So that's why PFF uses that as a weighted category in this evaluation. Now it can be added to restructures, right? So if I've got 5 million a year, they can decide to turn, hey, we're going to turn 10 more million in year three. We're going to turn 10 more million dollars of your money into bonuses. So now over the next two seasons, or I'm going to tack on $5 million each. So my last two seasons, I'll actually have $10 million in bonuses uh, thanks to the extensions or the, or the restructures or, or what have you. So Either way, this money isn't getting lower, right? And if it does go lower, it's going to be because you replaced or you you didn't replace, you uh, released a guy and the remaining bonuses all come to roost earlier rather than later. So that only only thing that's going to happen to that money is it's going to go up. It's never going to go down. It's only going to go up. So PFF considers this locked in cash. So they weigh it for these purposes and these evaluations. Now, Washington in that prorated money category has $139.29 million dollars in prorated money over the course of the next three years on the books. That's 2023, 2024, 2025. The most in the NFL uh, is the Philadelphia Eagles. So they rank 32nd because more is, is bad, right? So that's 32nd in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are on the books for $513.49 million over the next three years, uh, close to $400 million difference from the Washington Commanders. And then the best team in this, in this metric, this prorated money metric, are the Chicago Bears, who are number one, uh, scheduled to pay $84.69 million over the next three years. But if you look at the Bears roster, a lot of kind of homegrown players, only a few free agents that were signed mostly this year. Uh, so that's why you get those numbers uh, there. And some of those guys signed five-year contracts. So the next three years, only a portion of their bonus payouts, right? Where the Washington Commanders finished worst in this valuation uh, was 2024 free agent valuation. And look, right off the cuff, part of that is the fact that Chase Young and Montez Sweat are both playing on expiring contracts. So PFF says that this is a projected number based on the amount of free agents each team has, the value of those players, and the growth of those potential contracts. Now, this is the most opinion part, opinionated part of this analysis, right? Because it's rooted in some historical representations. For example, Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott missed nearly all of 2020, and then he got the largest contract any quarterback has ever gotten in guarantees in the 2021 offseason. So some of this is, you know, is potential talent and all that stuff. Um, but they're basically measuring the the typical growth in contracts for a player at a position, plus what they per perceive, PFF perceives this specific player's value to be. They don't list the individual players, so I don't know what value they gave to Chase Young, for example. But basically, they're using some historical debt. This isn't just throwing darts at a board. But when they do this, uh, Washington comes up 31st overall. But again, when you average the deviation from the mean in all five categories, they come in ninth overall, which is by far a better ranking in most things than they have done. So what does this really mean? Well, it means that Ron Rivera has been doing a pretty good job, at least during his tenure, of managing the salary cap. And 
to some extent, you know, do you want to do you want to pay guys? Do you not want to pay guys? That's where some of these discussions come into. So let's go deeper into these numbers and talk about what I believe is the biggest reason Washington salary cap health is so good. That's contributions from players on their first contract. So we'll talk more about that coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you will land $200 in bonus bets whether you win or whether you lose. The Washington Nationals are scheduled to host the Cincinnati Reds on Thursday afternoon. Left-handed pitcher Mackenzie Gore is on the mound for the Nats. Fellow lefty Brandon Williamson on the mound for the Reds. And if you make the right bet on that game, then not only could you win some cash, but even if you lose, you'll still get 10 times your money back in the form of free bets up to $200 if you're if it's your first bet with FanDuel. That's $200 you can then spend on everything from money line to the over-under to who thinks going to hit the first home run. You can even spend it on commander's wagers if you want to do that. And it's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Thanks again out there for being Locked On Commanders, your first listen or your first view of the day today and every day, every dares. Appreciate you coming back. We appreciate you being here through the rest of the week. We've got one more episode before we wrap up this week, and then we'll come back next week with a whole new slate of episodes. Real quick, I want to apologize for missing our Wednesday drop. I was planning, even though Tuesday was the 4th of July, I did have every plan uh, to record an episode for you guys and drop it on the 5th, but all the family events you know how these things go, right? You have kind of a schedule, and then one thing happens, gets delayed, and pushes back. And the next thing you know, everything's getting pushed back. Just couldn't find the time to lay down that episode. So I do apologize. I did plan on coming through for you. I hope to be better in the future. But talking about being better, the Washington Commanders have actually been pretty stinking good when you're talking about draft history. And that, of course, you got to give a hat tip to Ron Rivera. He may not be the quote-unquote general manager of this team, but like Martin uh, Mayhew told me in the pre-draft process, when decisions have to be made in the draft room, it's Ron Rivera's decisions that's being made. And I think that is the biggest reason. We talked about uh, the PFF ranking the commander's salary cap health when projected over the next three years as being the ninth healthiest in the National Football League. And of the five categories they use to evaluate the cap situation, Washington ranked highest in prorated money. That's amount you know money owed against salary cap and player bonuses, but also came in top 10 in active draft capital. And that is where I think this is where we really need to expand on this conversation. For this active draft capital conversation, PFF created a tiered value chart the same way we do with draft pick values heading into NFL draft weekends, right? And then they compiled scores for all those players who are still on their rookie contract. So, for example, the one that they gave, PFF gave Bryce Young, number one overall pick quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, has a value of 3,000 points. But so does the number one overall pick from each individual draft that you're talking about here. So, essentially... This means of all the 32 NFL teams, the commanders have more first contract players on the roster than 22 other NFL teams. And that's pretty good, right? And just like these other individual categories that PFF use as standalone metrics, some of them also spill into others. So we're going to talk about that here in just a second. For example, the more contributions a team is getting from rookie contract players, the fewer veterans that team is going to need to sign and also 
the fewer veterans that team needs to re-sign. More on that, like I said, in, in just a little bit. So who are these rookie deal players contributing to Washington and getting them this high rank? Well, obviously, the 20, entire 2023 NFL draft classes because they just got here and nobody's been cut and all, all these other things, right? But not all those guys are going to make the active roster. So when I'm stacking the commanders against other teams, I'm really not using 2023 yet because we haven't seen what these guys are going to be even in the first week of the regular season. When you look at 2022, the entire draft class is still here with Washington Commanders. I know some people might say, well, no, duh, they just got drafted. But I'm telling you, there are teams that have already lost, waived, released 2022 NFL draft picks. Some of them have uh, waived, released multiple 2022 NFL draft class. So the fact that the Washington Commanders have their entire 2022 class intact on the roster, it's not amazing, but it's still something worth noting. Now, not one player in last year's class was released, but all of them contributed to the team as an active player at one point. Or another now two of them very minimally right seventh round pick chris paul was active for the final game of the year uh, and is expected to be a second string guard this season so his contributions this year certainly expected to be more than they were last year second round defensive tackle fedarian mathis was active for the first game would have been a much bigger part of the defense had he stayed healthy but unfortunately he suffered an injury against the jacksonville jaguars uh very very early in that game might have even been the first or second snap i can't remember exactly off the top of my head but injured very early in that game, uh, lost for the rest of the season. So that's eight rookies or eight rookie contract players, right? And that's why we got to remember it. When I say rookie contract, I'm talking about guys that are just on their first NFL contract. They're not necessarily rookies, but they're on their first contract. So that's eight guys right off the bat from the 2022 class. Now, looking at the other NFL draft classes, rookie deals will run for four years unless you're a first-round pick whose fifth-year option gets picked up like Montez Sweat, then it's five years. When you look at players still contributing in Washington for their first contracts, we got to look back four years. Now, on schedule contracts this offseason would have been from the 2019 draft class. So the 2019 draft class, you play the 2019, 20, 21, 22 seasons. 22 last year, 2022 last year was your final year of your contract. You could look at guys like Terry McLaurin was coming into a contract year. So if they're still with your team here in 2023, they're no longer on their rookie deals, right? Unless you're talking about first-round pick Montez Sweat who is on his fifth-year option, still a part of his rookie deal. So we need to start looking, but basically, at the 2020 NFL draft class to talk about measuring the rookie contract contributions for the Washington Commanders. Now, the 2020 NFL draft class, the Commanders drafted eight players. Chase Young, Antonio Gibson, Sadiq Charles, Antonio Gandy-Golden, Keith Ishmael, Kalik Hudson, Cameron Curl, and James Smith-Williams. Six of those eight players are still with the team. Only Keith Ishmael, Ishmael, and Antonio Gandy-Golden are no longer with the team. Six of the eight, the same six, have a reasonable expectation to be active on game day this year. I would think that the only one really is Kalik Hudson, who may or may not be active for every game this season. We'll see how training camp goes and all that. Five of the eight are expected to have significant roles on the 2023 roster. James Smith-Williams is a very valuable rotational player. Kalik Hudson, special teamer, I would say he's the only one that I would put outside of the significant role. But either way, you still got six of these eight players. Uh, three. It, this is their fourth season, right? 2020 is their first, one, two, and three. So this is their fourth season. So six of these eight players are still with the team four years later. That's pretty impressive. 2021 NFL Draft Class, the Commanders drafted 10 players. Jamin Davis, Sam Cosme, Benjamin St. Juice, Deami Brown, John Bates, Derek Forrest, Cameron Cheeseman, William Bradley King, Shaka Tony, and Dax Milne. All 10 are still with the team. Now, Shaka Tony is suspended for 2023, so there's a little bit of an asterisk there, right? But he's still with the team. Eight of those 10 players have reasonable expectations to be active on game day. Obviously, one of those 
Who doesn't is Shaka Tony. William Bradley, King, Dax Milne kind of have the same, to me, kind of same odds of making the roster. So I basically gave them like a half point each. So that's where I come up with two uh, of the 10, of course. It is possible that neither of them make it. Now you're talking 7 out of 10. Speaking of 7 out of 10, the rest of those guys, all 7 out of the 10 are expected to have significant roles on the 2023 roster. So three seasons in, 7 out of the 10 members of that class are expected to play significant roles. Last year's class, eight players drafted, all eight so with the team. All eight, I think, have reasonable expectations to make the roster. Christian Holmes could fall off due to the addition of Emmanuel Forbes and Quan Martin, but because he was on the roster for, for last season and he was uh, active a good amount, I'm going to leave him in that group for right now. Six of eight are expected to have significant roles on this year's roster. That's where Christian Holmes kind of falls off uh, along with uh, Chris Paul, who's supposed to be a backup. But he could also there, – there's a couple guys that kind of have a half-pointer just like I did with the other one, right? So – that means that 92% of the players drafted by Washington from 2020 to now are still with the team. That's a very high hit rate and retention rate. 22 of those players, again, from 2020 to the 2022 NFL draft, have a reasonable chance to make Washington's active roster. Those 22 players would account for 42% of the commander's active roster if they were to indeed make the active roster. That's nearly half. So nearly half of your active players could potentially be on first-year deals or first-contract deals, rookie deals, right? When you compare that to the NFL's worst, the Las Vegas Raiders, in 2020, they drafted seven players. One of them is still with the team and expected to make the active roster. 2021, they drafted seven more. Only four of them are remaining. 2022, they drafted six. Three of them are remaining. So that's eight players from 2020 to 2022 compared to 22 players for the Commanders, uh, and that's a 15% rate for the Raiders compared to the 42% rate for the commander. So a huge disparity there between, you know, the commanders near the top of the league and the, the Raiders uh, at the bottom of the league. Add on to that, the Washington's 29 first round pick that they still have on the team is Montez Sweat. His option was picked up while the Raiders declined Cleveland Farrell's uh, and that widens the gap a little bit again, since the fifth year option is still technically part of the rookie deal. So it's no surprise then that while the commanders have one of the best rates of landing, contributing players on rookie deals in recent times, they also have one of the lowest bonus payouts because of it. Vice versa, the Raiders have the league's worst rookie deal contribution rate, but they also have one of the highest top 51 veteran valuation numbers because of it, since they have to use so much veteran talent to fill in for where they wanted to have rookies rather than the other way around the commanders. They're putting some rookies and some young guys in positions where Raiders and other teams like that are putting veterans in, right? The Rams, who notoriously sold all their draft capital for veteran players, have the 30th ranked cap health overall, and they're worse than the league in veteran valuation and are number 28 in the league in rookie deal contribution. So the next time we, you, I, anybody screams about this team trying to trade draft capital for a veteran, just remember there is a balance to this stuff. There is such thing as too much. Of course, I would say there's too much either way as well. Uh, additionally, Washington has key players in rookie deals in four of the top six positions in veteran salaries, obviously one of them including quarterback position. So the best way to stay in healthy in the salary cap management is to spend money on keeping veterans that contribute in key roles and finding young talent to replace those who don't. We're going to look at three young players who could price out their veteran counterparts in the relatively near future. That's next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. <laughs> All right, now that we've looked at how pro football focus comes up, the Washington Commanders having the ninth healthiest salary cap situation uh, coming into the season and forecasted over the next three years. Uh, we talked about how that's come to be. We talked about the contributions from the young players that I believe is a big catalyst 
for this. We got to look into the future, right? Because basically, Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, the entire brain trust is kind of showing us is that that is what they're looking to do. Bring in these rookie, these young players. And this is what every NFL team wants to do, right? Bring in these young players, groom them, develop them, turn them into star players and contribute for your team. And then when the time comes for a contract situation, you basically look at your depth and you say, do we need to keep this guy or can we afford to let him walk? Because when you look at veterans who have expiring contracts in 2024, 25, and 26, so we're looking at 23, 24, 25, but all that money is going to roll into the 24, 5, 6 offseason, right? There are some young guys who could push to price out some of their veteran counterparts, right? Bottom line, rookie contracts are cheaper than veteran contracts. So, for example, top defensive tackle drafted in this year's NFL draft, Georgia's Jalen Carter, drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, will cost the Philadelphia Eagles $3.96 million against cap this year and no more than $6.9 million in his first four seasons. That $6.9 million cap hit is scheduled to hit in his fourth year. Meanwhile, Deron Payne is going to count this year for $8.6 million against the salary cap and hit as high as $28 million against the cap in four years. So if Carter is as good as Deron Payne in 2026, the commanders are going to pay about $21 million more for their guy than the Eagles will be paying for their guy. And that's just one position. It's just one player. The whole thing is important, but it just kind of gives you an example. That's how dramatic keeping a young guy could be over signing a veteran or re-signing a veteran. So using that knowledge, you can see why sometimes teams will choose not to pay the veteran in favor of the young guy who could play at a similar talent level or better for much less. And sometimes, look, if I got a guy waiting in the wing who maybe this first season, I got three years left on his rookie deal. Maybe this first year, he's not as good. But year two or three, he should be as good or better. I might let that veteran walk, save some of that money. It's a gamble, but if it pays off, I'm going to look like a genius. Of course, if it doesn't pay off, I might be looking for a new job. So using that knowledge, again, you can see why it happens sometimes. So here are four initial contract players. These, these four players are all on their rookie deals right now on Washington's roster who could push out their veteran counterparts who are going to want new deals before these rookie contracts expire. And the first and foremost, we got to talk about last year's first round draft pick, Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver out of Penn State. And I think if you're a veteran on this roster who might be getting pushed out by Jahan Dotson, you're probably talking about Curtis Samuel, whose contract expires the end of this season. He is a 2024 unrestricted free agent unless the Washington Commanders lock him up. There's really been zero talk about contract extensions. There hasn't been a hold in, a holdout, nothing like that. Curtis Samuel, uh, he's had one healthy season here in Washington, one unhealthy season here in Washington. Certainly a lot of dynamic abilities, certainly a lot of contributions he could present. But if Jahan works his way up to legitimate wide receiver two status this year from a production standpoint, not just a depth chart standpoint, then that's going to play a big role in this. Do you pay Curtis Samuel free agent money when you've got Jahan Dotson as your number two guy? The NFL draft is also all, always churning out new content or a content new talent, right? So you could always find another guy. Then you've also got De'Ami Brown. Can he take a step this year? Uh, in his NFL development. If he can, could he become your year number three receiver? Or we look at Marcus Kemp, a guy who's been impressive during OTAs, during the mandatory mini camp, and we'll see how he can develop, build a connection with Sam Howell as well. There is a reality where you look at Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, De'Ami Brown, Marcus Kemp, and a potential, say, third, fourth round draft pick. That's a really solid five group uh, wide receiver group if that draft pick turns out to be a, a, a very solid pick, just like the commanders have done. Uh, in recent times. Also, 
you kind of have to look at this too, right? Antonio Gibson versus Curtis Samuel. Could Antonio Gibson kind of be looked at as maybe you can do a little bit of that a hybrid back receiver stuff, and maybe we can keep you cheaper because you've got a little bit more of a history. Plus, you've been here uh, longer and relatively to your career than Curtis Samuel has. So this could also turn into almost Antonio Gibson versus Curtis Samuel. So maybe two players, obviously AG, uh, not going to be on his rookie deal anymore, but maybe you have a guy uh, in, in, in Antonio Gibson and Jahan Dotson who could kind of pair up to potentially push uh, Curtis Samuel off of the roster as early as this offseason. So that's one first-round draft pick, last year's first-round draft pick, but the other first-round draft pick we're going to look at is this year's first-round draft pick, and he could be pushing out veteran Kendall Fuller, and nobody's going to be surprised by this, right? Because as soon as he was picked, it, we started fielding questions. I started getting hit up on Twitter. I got an email about it here or here, there. I got a text about it here or there about what this meant for Kendall Fuller. And even then I kind of said, in the short term, I don't think it really means anything. But long-term-wise, Kendall Fuller's contract expires at the end of the season, so he is also a 2024 unrestricted free agent. And if Emmanuel Forbes comes in here and shows starting caliber cornerback talent, Benjamin St. Juice continues to develop, not only could this happen, but this actually could be the team's plan. Like They may be planning to do this from Jump Street and having a future cornerback trio of Emmanuel Forbes, Benjamin St. Juice, and Quan Martin giving them three starting cornerbacks, all of them on rookie deals until 2026 offseason when St. Juice deal uh, expires. So you basically get two years of all rookie deal cornerbacks. You know, that's a that's a very cheap secondary that you're having uh, by making this move. So that's number two. So that's two guys for 2024. But who, let's look at 2025. And I look at tight end Cole Turner potentially pushing tight end Logan Thomas out the door. Logan's getting a little bit hurt, uh, a little bit older. He's been hurt uh, more recently, obviously battling through some injuries. You love his leadership. You love his his ability and his attitude, obviously his approach to the game. But if Cole Turner realizes some of the potential and the flashes we've seen in training camp last year, preseason, OTAs this year, minicamp, all that stuff, by this time, 2025, Logan Thomas could be retired or playing somewhere else, and Cole Turner could be your tight end number one with John Bates essentially playing uh, second fiddle to him and then whoever they draft from now to then or bring in Armani Rogers, you know, eventually will come back, those types of things. That is certainly a matchup to watch, not for necessarily 2024, but more for 2025. Uh, finally, the fourth one, a 2026 free agent. And this is a guy who just got here, but I'm looking at Ricky Stromberg this year, one of the draft picks this year, center out of Arkansas, potentially pushing Nick Gates out the door in the 2026 offseason because that's when Nick Gates' current contract expires. If Ricky Stromberg develops over the next couple of seasons, you could see the commanders turn to their rookie deal center versus paying Nick Gates another contract. They let him move out. You have Ricky Stromberg uh, still for another couple of seasons on a rookie deal. That maybe helps you pay you know, Sam Howell, potentially, if he's successful. So, of course, if the younger players accelerate their development, these veterans outside of Samuel and Fuller, because they're not getting released this year, could be on their way out sooner, for example. Uh, if the Washington Commanders wanted to release Logan Thomas next year, it would save them $7 million in salary cap space. Not saying it could happen or will happen. Not even saying I wish it'll happen. Just something to be aware of. Looking at the way the Commanders have managed their salary cap and what it's produced. A top 10 uh, salary cap as far as health is concerned. This is how they do it. So this is kind of where you see the future coming forward uh, from the Washington Commanders roster. Speaking of the future, I will be back with you tomorrow to wrap up the week. In the meantime, if you've got questions or comments, just throw them in the YouTube comments on Twitter. Hit me up an email on at lockedoncommanders@gmail.com or send them directly to me via subtext. As always, I want to thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day, thank you so much for coming through on a consistent basis like you do. And remember, 
You can continue the conversation with me over at joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day, part of your routine. And if you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to know or discuss, make sure you're also following me on Twitter at dharrison82. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you.